Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, good to see you. You guys are so kind. I love this, seeing so many people come on Wednesday nights. Isn't this wonderful? We're, we're gathering to hear the Word. Aren't we hungry for Him? Hallelujah. You're communicating your love for Him by coming to, to hear about Jesus. Hallelujah. And I, I know your biggest problem is going to be, how do we get walls kicked out? It seems like every time I'm here, the walls go back about 10, 15 feet, another 20 feet, 30 feet. And I, I didn't see the helicopter pad, though. Will you take me up and let me see that? Because I know that's going to be cool. So no telling what you guys will end up doing, you know, just getting everything set up for uh, harvesting barns because Jesus is just about to come back. Hallelujah. Aren't we privileged to, to watch it come to pass right in front of our eyes so that, that we can make changes to hustle, uh, to pick up our pace spiritually, uh, to run our races even more uh, in tune, to follow God? We, we hearken to the voice of the Lord, stranger's voice we do not follow. We only do those things that please our Father. And uh, we have a mentality to finish our race and finish our course because, man, there's so much happening right now. It's just it's blatant. Uh, Jesus is coming. Even sinners will go, I know something's up. I'm like, that's right. I'll be on an airplane. They'll go, I know something's up, something's up. What are you talking about? And I'll go, well, do you know the Lord? No, nope, don't know the Lord, but something's up. And then you get to tell them what's going on. They're like, oh, my God, something is going on. Jesus is about to come back. So how bizarre that we get to be a part of that last group of people. How privileged are we to, to watch the entrance of the king, to all of a sudden meet him face to face, and the protocol to go from faith to sight, to where these songs we sing about him, I sure love the worship songs you guys do, all about Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. No begging, no, no whining, all about honoring the king, lifting him up. He overcame death, hell, and the grave, so we can't help but worship him. We can't help but magnify him. He got beaten for us. I mean, just think of what he went through just for us, so we're, we're appreciative. If you're here tonight and you go in, you guys are kind of wild and loud. Well, we're appreciative. We're happy. We're amazed that he died for us, so we, we can't help but lift up our hands. We can't help but shout. We're, we're grateful. Hallelujah. So tonight, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to try to combine a few things so we don't go too long, but so that we get several things shot at us a little bit. And we'll look at, at how close we are to the coming of the Lord. We'll look, look at a little bit of the rapture. Then we'll look a little bit about uh, what the next appointment is for our lives. And I believe it'll strengthen us. It'll encourage us. And the wonderful thing about the coming of the Lord, there's no bad news. I mean, for the Christian, there's no bad news. For the world, it's extremely scary. Uh, but for the Christian, there is no bad news. I mean, it's amazing. I'll have a pastor invite me to come preach on end times. And he goes, I was dreading having you come. I'm like, really? That's nice to say. <laughs> what a bummer. I got to have this guy. And he goes, no, the Lord told me to, but I didn't want to hear about end times. And then when they hear the truth, it sets them free. So there's no bondage to the coming of the Lord. And think how sad it, was. it would be that, okay, the week before you get married, you're not looking forward to getting married. No, you're excited about getting married. Could you imagine the night before you get married going, oh my God, what's going to happen tomorrow? No, that, that would be just weird, you know, to, to be like that. So we're, uh, it's sad that, that that's what the body of Christ has been over the years because we've been taught such weird stuff that's not Bible. Once you get into the truth, it strengthens you, it blesses you, it sets you free because you're redeemed from the curse of the law. And when we get into end time preaching, you got to look at who you are in Christ. Because if you, if you look at end time preaching under old covenant rules, you'll feel like you don't qualify. If you look at end time preaching even under the gospel rules, you'll feel like you don't qualify because you don't. Jesus had been raised from the dead. But after he's raised from the dead, you're him. 
As he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. So with all of that, it makes it easier to understand. It makes all the pieces fit together. So we'll, we'll get into it tonight and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time. So let's pray over the word and we'll get right into it. And I just, I thank Pastor Mark, Pastor Amy. Just, uh, isn't it cool that you can invite anybody here and they're normal? Isn't that cool? You can have normal Christianity and they're going to hear about Jesus. I mean, that's what's so, so, so fun to, to, to see a church where you can say, you can invite anybody here and know they're going to get set free, you're going to get blessed. You don't have to go, oh God, I hope it's a good service tonight. No, it's, all, it's always good. It's Jesus, amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the entrance of your word. It gives light. We thank you for great light tonight, great illumination upon our path. You said the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. So, Father, we thank you for instructions in the last days to walk with you, to minister for you, that every person in this room would be spokesman for God, that their, their, your voice would be amplified in their voice, and they would do your bidding all the way up to the coming of the Lord. Lord, we're, we're grateful that we are part of this move just before you return. We're, we're amazed that we get to be a part of this season uh, before the coming of the King, the entrance of the King, the manifestation and the revelation of Jesus as Lord. Lord. We thank you for it. Thank you for blessing every person that came tonight. Their households are blessed. Their jobs are blessed. Their kids are blessed. Every part of their life, Lord, supernatural peace upon their homes. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. So I want to back up a little bit before we get to some verses here. Talk about a little bit what's going on now, because I mean, if you, if you can't figure out what's going on now, it's kind of a shock. Watching Russia go into the Ukraine and watching what's happening there, how horrific that all is. But it's just kind of part of the plan, because uh, Russia is going to eventually here move down on Israel. But uh, that's the Ezekiel 38 war. And we know that's really the beginning of World War III. So you're seeing precursors to that. Because Jesus was pretty specific in Matthew 24. He said, you know, just before the tribulation, you would have some things come on the earth that what he called them were birth pains. Well, we would say contractions. We don't use that word birth pains anymore, but we'd say uh, contractions. So how many of you ladies, uh, when you got ready to go into labor and you start having contractions, you go, man, these are the coolest contractions I've ever had. No, you don't focus on the contractions. You focus on the baby. I mean, how many of you after you had your baby to go, man, I, all I thought about was contractions. Who cares about the baby? No, you're, you're thinking about the baby. So what we don't have to dwell on is not being concerned about the contractions, but we dwell on what's getting ready to be birthed. And that is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of it's showing you tangibly and physically that the kingdom of God is just about to come. Why? Because the Ezekiel 38 war happens after the rapture of the church. And you're seeing nation after nation after nation move in position, specifically Russia, specifically Iran, and specifically Turkey. I have a picture on my phone where all three of them are standing together, uh, holding hands, making a, an alignment together, because that's exactly what the Bible said you'd see just before the coming of the Lord. And so, you know, the rapture is signless, but the second coming has sign after sign after sign after sign after sign. But if you can see what's going to happen just after the rapture and see it's the setup for that, it can tell you we don't have a lot of time left. Now, I don't say that to freak you out. I say that because we don't have a lot of time left. <laughs> I hear people, I remember years ago on the end of days update, people would go, why do you say, I think like we have more time? Cause I thought we had more time. I don't think we have more time now. It's not because of COVID, not because of pandemics or even Russia moving down into Crimea and, and into the Ukraine. It's because all of the players are coming on the stage for what's going to happen after we leave the planet. 
So if we can see that uh, taking place right in front of our eyes, it tells us, lift up our heads, our redemption is about to draw nigh. He said, in, indicating you could be living when all the signs are happening and you're downtrodden. The number one thing he wants to happen to you is lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing nigh. So he doesn't want you downtrodden, doesn't want you sad, he wants you happy, he wants you hopeful. Everything for the church about the coming of the Lord is happy, hopeful, comforted, and, and not troubled, not deceived. Five things about the coming of the Lord. Why? He wants you strong. Your strength will be tied to your joy. And if you don't have any joy, it's hard to run your race. Can you imagine the Lord going, okay, the last days are here. It's going to be horrible and hold on tight. No, no, no. It's the last days, but you have authority. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. You're going to finish your course and you're going to have harvest right here in Boise. Hallelujah. So let's go look at some things. Uh, that we can uh, look to that are so precise and super easy to understand. Grab your Bibles and let's turn there to Luke. And I'm going to try to combine some things. But go to Luke chapter 21. And these are verses I know we've, we've heard many times, but I want to go through some things where Jesus makes it super clear and super easy for us to get it. So Luke ch chapter 21, verse 24, it's page 108 if you've got a Bible like mine. And I sure had a, a wonderful time in the school last night. If you're here tonight and you're thinking about coming to the school this next year, man, don't think about it. Just do it. Hallelujah. Amen. It's just so, it's so wonderful. So I had such a wonderful time. But go here to Luke 21, verse 24, and watch Jesus give us a couple things we can look at to make it super clear. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So he's telling you there, there's a time frame for the Gentiles. And uh, we should know this because Jesus said, hey, when you see Jerusalem one back, that time is up. And you know, you've heard all the stories of the Six-Day War in 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. I mean, the miracles that happened uh, to get that land back to them and get Jerusalem one back. It's pretty amazing. But if you look in the scripture, remember when Jesus would go into town, every town he went into, demons would cry out, have you come to torment us before the time? See, Jesus has a schedule. Even the demons knew that he was early. Are you, are you going to torment us early? What's up with they? Knew, if demons can know the schedule, how much more the church? Oh, I think I'll say that again. If demons can tell a timing of God, how much more the church should? So Jesus says here, when you see Jerusalem one back, time's pretty much up. That's a huge statement to say. So watch what Jesus does to make it even clearer. Skip down to verse 29. He's going to open it up even more. He spake to them a parable. Now, what's a parable for? To make clear what he had just said, because it is so radical just to say that. When you see a city one back, I'm about to come back. Because everything revolves around Jerusalem. Remember, if you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. You can go to the old city of Jerusalem. Because the Bible says Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. I mean, even the president of Turkey, he said last year, we'll call on all of Islam and we'll ascend to the, mount, uh, to the temple mount and take it back from the Jews and bring it over to Islam. There's something about that piece of real estate. Lucifer wants that spot. The devil's so stupid, you can go into the old city and you can see a mosque right here. What happened right there? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque over here. What happened there? That's where he was beaten. There's a mosque over here. What happened there? That's where the Mount of Ascension was. There's a mosque on the Dome of the Rock in the middle of it in Arabic. It says there is no son of God. There is no son of God. There is no son of God. Why? There is a son of God. He came and died. God raised him from the dead. So the devil's so stupid, he thought he could cover up everywhere. The Lord did something cool. And all it did was give you a tour guide. 
You go, the Lord must have done something cool there, must have done something cool there. So there's something about this city to be the capital of, of the universe forever. His address will be right there in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So watch him make it clear in verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, and all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. I like verse 31. Likewise, in the same manner, or just as bold as you are about when you see the trees bud, you know there's a temperature change. Likewise, just as bold, when you see these things. What things? Jerusalem being won back and Israel being made a nation. When you see these things come to pass, no. You ought to circle the word no there in your Bible. No. He's saying this so you can know this. He's not saying this so you go, well, I have no idea when the Lord's coming back. No, he's saying this so you can definitively go, I can know when he's coming. So watch what he says here. When you see these things come to pass, know. Know what? That the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now look at the next verse. This is the kicker, verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. What generation? The one that sees Israel regathered, the fig tree bud, and Jerusalem won back. So here, we're, tag, we're it. Whether we like it or not, because I hear people go, well, I don't feel comfortable with that. It doesn't matter. I, I hear people go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. It doesn't matter whether you believe it, whether you're comfortable with it or not. You're it. We're, we're the group when all these things happen. Because, I mean, that's two main signs. I, got, I have about 85 signs for the coming of the Lord. I have a book coming out in June this next year, uh, this year, not next year, uh, on, on the end times made easy. 80 some odd signs uh, of our generation that he's coming back. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight. Not, I mean, just it, it's loaded with stuff because God wants to make it so clear. So let's run through some of them. I mean, this is a pretty big deal. Watch what the Lord says in verse 33. Look how bold he is. He said, heaven and earth will be altered, but my words won't be altered. In other words, you can't change this. If you're there when you see Jerusalem won back, then you see Israel regathered, that's when I'm coming back. Wow. Now, the signs are not here to scare us. The signs are here to bring us comfort. Just like if you were driving 100 miles away from, from Boise going somewhere, the next sign says 90 miles, next sign says 80, next sign says 70. You don't go, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it. Maybe Twin Falls. How far is Twin Falls from here? 110? All right, and the sign says 90, and the sign says 80, sign says 70. <gasps> I'm never going to make it to Twin Falls. No, the signs are telling you you're headed toward Twin Falls. In fact, they actually bring you peace. So signs aren't designed to scare us. Signs are, are designed to show us blatantly how close we are to the manifestation of the king. The earth is getting ready for Jesus to manifest himself to his brethren just like Joseph did. Everything you see happening in the earth right now is an alteration for the entrance of the king. There is a protocol for him to come. Come on. Just as John the Baptist was the, the protocol before the first coming, the church is the protocol right before the second coming to where you lift your voice up and you make known the ways of the Lord so that people can see how good he is, that his mercy endures forever, that there's kindness in him, goodness in him. He's not judging you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Bless his heart that he's been painted as especially when he's coming back. He's going to come back and he's going to kill everybody. No, he's coming back and his reward is with him. It's so weird that it gets so twisted. I've said it here many times, just like when Colleen and I got married. I can imagine Colleen's right there. Uh, she's walking down the aisle. Her mom's walking her down. And I, I'm going, man, this is it. We're about to get married. And all of a sudden as she walks toward me, she goes, oh my God. She bends her head over. There we go. Another one bites the dust. I'm going to marry that guy. 
Now, see, right about then, I've been going, hmm, this may not be a good thing happening right here. Uh, I don't feel good about this. So how, how would you like to feel that's how the Lord feels about the coming of the Lord? Everybody's like, oh, God, Jesus is coming. No, it's the most exciting thing on the planet that we're going to go from faith to sight. You're going to get a glorified body. Come on. Never gain weight again. Man, if you, if you can't get happy about the coming of the Lord, just get happy about your new body. Come on. And, you know, and I feel it sometimes, you know, and I, I, I won't get into it tonight, but, you know, uh, the rapture is not the end of the church. The, the rapture is the beginning, not the end. We're tasting of the powers of the world to come. We've got a thousand years to operate with God. I hear people go, I don't want the Lord to come back because I've got so much in my heart. Well, of course you do. You're going to live forever. We're not going to be raptured and just play harps up in heaven for a thousand years. No. Or we'd be in harp class right now. If that was true, <laughs> Pastor Mark would go, well, I just bought 5,000 harps for us to get ready for heaven. I mean, how weird would that be? What are you guys doing tonight? And here we go. No. The devil's painted that picture to make us think that it's boring. There, you'll never say I'm bored, ever. That'll never come out of your mouth. You'll be going, oh my God. How could I have even thought like this while I was on the earth? So all these signs, let's run through them real quick because I want to get to the next part of what I want to get into. You got Hebrew language restored? Because God said he'd restore to them a pure language. Wow. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew. Wow. And you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. 18,000 airlifted in one day. Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your heads. The Lord's coming back. <laughs> I, I saw him. I saw him do it in 1992. Chuck Roberts. He said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Now, the book of Exodus, that was a pretty good exodus going through the Red Sea and everything. This eclipsed it because it happened in one day. There were airplanes that they manifested 180 passengers, and when they landed, they had 187. There were seven babies born on that plane while they were flying down there. It was, it was C-130 after C-130 after C-130, a miracle, because God said, just before the coming of the Messiah, I'll bring them out. When did that happen? Your lifetime. All right, after that, you've got the revival of the Roman Empire, United States of Europe. On their money is the woman from the book of Revelation. The Capitol buildings in Strasbourg, France, it's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. I mean, Google it. How weird is that to, to have a, a platform for the Antichrist? I mean, you, you see the platform for him right now. So that's the United States of Europe. It was set up. And you have one of the leaders of the EU doing things right now that are very much similar to what the Antichrist is going to do. So you're watching everything come to pass right in front of your eyes. Then you've got the fertility of the land of Israel. The land is so blessed, it produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Crazy. And here's some crazy ones because I want to get moving. Then you had the Dead Sea had fish show up last year because uh, Ezekiel prophesied right before the coming of the Lord there'd be fish in the Dead Sea. Showed up last year. Okay, six weeks ago in the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea turned blood red right where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And I even talked about it. And then I found out, guess what? It was on the Day of Atonement. Basically, God's trying to go, okay, I, my son even took care of the sin that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. On the Day of Atonement. Hallelujah. So then after that, you got foxes showing up on the Temple Mount. Uh, because the Temple Mount's so desolate that the presence of God's not there. So you can have animals come on the Temple Mount. That's, that's Lamentations 5.18. And then after that, you have the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. Because the Bible said, this is what you'll see. Pretty crazy. 
I mean, one thing after another after another. You got an Israeli ornithologist said it's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. You, you have 100, 172 different species of predatory birds showed up in the land. Why? After the Ezekiel 38 war, God will call on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later at the Battle of Armageddon, he calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. So you got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. Next, you got Russia went into Crimea. Now they're into Ukraine. So you got fish in position. You got birds in position. You have Russia getting in position. So what's the church doing? Is it really the time for the coming of the Lord? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like seriously. All the if birds can get where they're supposed to be, if fish can get where they're supposed to be, if the Temple Mount Institute can get where they're supposed to be, how much more of the church? We, we have revelation. The pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter, not dimmer and dimmer. Come on. There should be an anticipation in us that we've got to get the job done because we're about to see the king. Now, you could keep going with sign after sign after sign because there's so many. I mean, it's radical. Men will be lovers themselves. I was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. A guy had two uh, uh, selfie sticks, almost got hit by a car, taking two pictures of himself at once. I mean, he walked right out in the road like this. I'm like, who would have ever thought we'd have thought we got to take more pictures of ourselves? Just bizarre. And then you have the, 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 the arch for Baal worship in Palmyra. Why is that a big deal? That's where the Tower of Babel was. Russia rebuilt that arch about eight weeks ago. And the Talmud says that's the last thing you'll see before the coming of the Messiah. So you got tangible, physical things. I, I got 80 some of them, so I'm giving you about 10 or 12. I'm just telling you, you got sign after sign after sign after sign that shows you where you are. You're living just before the coming of the Lord. Wow. And then what you're watching today on TV with the Ukraine, what you're watching with Russia, they are literally getting ready because what's going to happen after the rapture in this dispensation is the dispensation of grace. So God has to rapture the church off the earth to pay Israel back seven years that he owes them in it's old covenant time. And when Russia comes down on Israel, God's going to intervene and wipe out 82% of Russia. And all over Ezekiel 38 says, so that the heathen may know that he is God. So God's going to pull the gloves off during that seven-year period and play rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. So... <laughs> He can't do it now because he's leaving everything up to the church. Hitler killed 6 million Jews and Germany prospered because God's not mad at anybody right now. Let me just say that again. God's not mad at anybody right now. He's not frustrated with you tonight. He's not mad at you tonight. He loves you. Everything about all this is because he loves you so much. He died for you. Oh, come on. He wants the best for you. He's not frustrated with you. He loves you. I mean, it so burns into everything about the coming of the Lord as a reminder, just like when Colleen and I were getting married. You know what? We talked more on our phone the closer we got to getting married. We almost burned our cell phones up because you talk more, not less. See, he loves you. He wants you excited. He wants you anticipating all of a sudden being raptured. Hallelujah. How wild is that going to be? So let's talk about some of this. These are all the signs of the second coming. So let's step over and look at a little bit more because you could get into all of them, but it'll take us a few weeks. So jump ahead to 1 Thessalonians. And let's get over there for a minute. If you got your Bible there, it's uh, chapter 4. Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. It's interesting. He said in 2 Thessalonians... He said, don't you remember while I was with you, I taught you these things? What did he teach you about? The rapture, the second coming, and the Antichrist. They thought they were in the tribulation. Why? So Nero was killing so many Christians, they said, well, we have to be in the trib. And, you know, they were taking Christians, dunking them in oil, and setting them on fire, and being a nightlight for the city. So they said, man, this has to be the trib. 
So Paul goes, no, you, you, you're not in the tribulation. The Antichrist can't be revealed until the church departs. You can't have the body of Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. Because the Bible calls the body of Christ, Christ. What concord hath Christ with Belial? And you have so much authority, he has to take you off the earth so that he can do what he wants to do during that seven years of old covenant time. You have so much authority, you start speaking to asteroids. You start speaking, stuff wouldn't come to pass. I mean, you need to look at NASA's new site. NASA had to redo their asteroid site because there's so many asteroids, they're, they're spotting after the fact. Every single week, they miss an asteroid. Wormwood's coming in 2029. They said you'll be able to see it in 2027 and 2028. I mean, that's literally from the Bible. I was preaching in the Ukraine and said the word wormwood and people gasp. And I said, what's wormwood mean? Chernobyl. See, there's a radioactive asteroid that's going to hit the earth and it's going to make a third of the waters radioactive. And you, you've got the names of them coinciding with what the Bible said 2,000 years ago. So we're very, 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 very privileged to watch everything be a setup for the coming of the Lord. Wow. You could get into all the stuff. You could get into the blood red moons. You could get into the Bethlehem star. You could get into all that. But man, you're just living for the coming of the Lord. So let's look at chronologically what's next for us. And that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for just a moment. Look at verse 13, I believe it is. This is the next event on God's calendar for the church. We know we're living at the end of the church age. But this is what's coming next for us. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So he says here, scare one another with these words. No. He, he's talking about the rapture to bring you comfort. He said, comfort one another with these words. So this event's coming that, man, you hear so much weird preaching about it now, but it really is going to happen. Jesus is going to come back with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and all of a sudden, every one of our bodies are going to be remade in, a, in an atomic second, the shortest amount of time that can't be divided. Just as you've borne the image of the earthy, you're going to bear the image of the heavenly. And you're going to get you a brand new body instantaneously. Because we were talking about before the service, my weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. I used to need to be 6'2". Now it's 6'4", up to 6'5". I might need to be 6'8 now. But no, th this change is coming whether we're ready for it or not. I hear people go, well, I don't believe in the rapture. It don't matter whether you believe in it or not. If you're in the body of Christ, you're a species that he's coming back for. Because it's not about you. It's about him. He's coming back for his church. You talk about a shout, you talk about voice, you talk about the voice of the archangel, you're going to hear a voice and a noise you've never heard before, and instantaneously, you're going to be caught up. Now, I hear people go, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, actually, it is. Right there where it says you'll be caught up is the word harpazo in the Greek. The, the, the Latin word is rapture. You're going to be raptured. It's the same word that Elijah was taken. The sons of the prophets knew the even day he was going to go. He said, don't you know your, your master is going to be taken from you today? He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. And exactly to the day he went up. So a good, really a good type to look at is Enoch walked with God, caught up, raptured. Elijah, raptured. Jesus, raptured. The church 
church raptured. There's a mid-trib rapture. There's something about God taking people from the planet and putting them in heaven. Why? Because he doesn't want a certain group here. Why? Just like in Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel went into Sodom and Gomorrah and told Lot, I can't do anything here until I get the righteous out. So God's going to take the righteous off the earth, and he's going to hand off to the Jews, just like Enoch handed off to Noah, Elijah handed off to Elisha, Jesus handed off to the church, the church is going to hand off to the Jews. God's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and they're going to go out and evangelize during that seven-year period. They're going to have a pretty good platform because they'll be able to go, you remember the crazy church that was here? They're gone. And you won't have anybody be able to argue with it. They may think we're crazy. They may think we got taken by UFOs or whatever. But they'll have to say, you're right, they're gone. Because you know what? We're going to be caught up. We shall be changed. Hallelujah. And what a, what a reunion. How many of you had loved ones that have, that have gone home to be with the Lord? Won't that be amazing to have that reunion, to get to see them forever and, and be reunited like that? It's going to be so cool. So this event called the rapture of the church is getting ready to happen. What's the qualifications for it? Look at verse 14. You always go back to the word. Verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also that sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? So the, the, the prerequisite is to be in Christ. The Lord took all the bragging or all the boasting out of this because you can't make yourself holy enough to go just like you can't make yourself holy enough to get born again. It's his blood that was shed for you. Hallelujah. Because if it was about our works or about our cool walk with God, we'd have a tendency to go check that out, man. The last days of the church, I was doing what I was supposed to do. No, he, it takes all that out so that Jesus gets honored. Jesus gets magnified. Jesus gets glorified. Hallelujah. I had a lady in Galveston one time. She says, how dare you say all oh, the church is going up in the rapture? I said, well, you know, I, I, I didn't write the book. I'm just taking his word for it. So, you know, the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. So the Holy Spirit asked her, whose works would you rather trust in, your works or Jesus's works? I don't know about you, but I'm not trusting in my works. I'm trusting in his works. Amen. Amen. By himself, he purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as by inheritance he attained a more excellent name than they. He's the brightness of the glory of God, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Come on, that's who died for you. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's going to come a time where all of a sudden, over the banister of heaven, he's going to give a shout, come up hither, come up to the throne of God, and bam, we're going to go up, we're going to be right there. And you talk about a part. We get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know how long that's supposed to last? It's supposed to last like a full year. I mean, we think we go to a meal, last three hours. Man, that's a long meal. Last seven hours, that's a long meal. Last 10 hours, that's a long. This meal is a year. We have to have glorified bodies to even be able to handle that. <laughs> what are you guys doing? We're still eating. What are you doing? We're still eating. We, we, got, about, we got about eight more months to go. Come on. I mean, crazy. But what a wonderful thing to get a brand, brand new body. It's going to be so, so cool. You know, just the, the changes that get to come for us as we've worn the image of the earthy, we're going to bear the image of the heavenly. The whole purpose of the rapture is your body can't really handle the throne of God. Remember the, the cherubim and seraphim that cover their face? They're created to be at the throne of God, but they, they still have to shield themselves from his glory. They have two wings that cover their face, two wings cover their feet, and two wings they fly with. 
So here they go around the throne. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then they're shielding themselves. The radiance of God, they have to protect their eyes. Well, you're going to get you a brand new body. You're going to be able to walk right into the throne. Hi, Dad. How's it going? So you won't walk out of the throne and go, I can't see for six months. Wouldn't that be weird? Go talk to your dad. Oh, what's wrong with you? I just talked to Dad. It's going to be six more months where I can see. That'd be weird. I mean, Exodus 19, he said to put a fence up around the mountain lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not because God's mad at him. He's just so holy. And if you look at the scripture, you say, what will our new body be like? Well, you got to look at the Bible. There's been so much weird teaching on what we're going to be like, but it's pretty simple. When Jesus was raised from the dead on the road to Emmaus, remember, <laughs> their eyes were beholden to who he was. Don't you love that he sneaked up on them? How cool is that? They didn't know it was Jesus. He's walking with them. And he said, how come you guys are so sad? They said, well, if you lived around here, the, the, our Lord got crucified. The Bible says he would have kept on going. They constrained him to stay for dinner. He sat down with him and he broke bread and he, he, he took them through the old covenant and showed them Christ in every book. How'd you like to have a, a resurrection message from Jesus himself? Wow. And then, also, then he broke bread and disappeared. And they said, man, did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? Wow, what a cool lesson. Took them through the word right there in their physical presence. I would have said, nah, 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 loser, it's me. But he didn't do that. He took them through the word. There's something about seeing it in the word before you physically see it that he likes more. So, you know, they go back to their buddies and go, hey, man, we had dinner with him. He's raised from the dead. He's alive. Thomas goes, no, he's not. I don't believe that. You're crazy. I won't believe it until I see the holes in his hands. I see the hole in his side. Jesus walks right through the wall. <laughs> goes, Thomas, be not faithless. Uh, stretch it through your hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believe. Wow. And Thomas, what did he say? My Lord and my God. Yeah, I guess so. Well, then they freaked out. They said, well, he, he has to be a spirit. He, goes, you, he said, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. And then what's the first thing he asked for? You know, he, said, he says, where's the meat? He didn't say, where's the kale? Where's the broccoli? He said, where's the beef? First thing he asked for was beef. Where's the meat? Do you have any meat? And so in his glorified body, he didn't go, you know what? I can't have broccoli all day. No. So in your glorified body, you'll be able to have an appetite. You'll be able to walk through walls, but you can still be handled. Just it's like flesh and bone. It's going to be the coolest thing you'd ever imagine. I mean, I can imagine showing up in the Alps and having a motorcycle ride for three weeks during the millennium. You don't get tired. Doesn't get dark. Then you're translated to, to maybe Augusta and play golf for a couple of days all night because you don't get tired. And in the millennium, it'll be light all night. Come on. And people go, do you think you really want to do that? Absolutely. When we get raptured, we're no different than we are now, just better. If you like to read, you'll read better. If you like to play the guitar, play the guitar better. You don't turn into a weirdo, like, I made it to heaven, now I'm goofy. No. The, <laughs> the, the taste that you have now, you'll carry with you. Amen. You'll get to enjoy things even more. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. So I want to talk about this next event, and then I want to go to Daniel real quick because I'm, I'm preaching too long. The next event, there's so much you can get into about the rapture, but go back to Daniel chapter 9. And before we get there, I want to talk about the next event on God's calendar for you. And this is something that we should probably hear preached over and over and over and over again, and that is your next appointment after the rapture is the reward seat of Christ. Now, people call it the judgment seat of Christ. It's even called that several times in the Bible. That's a mistranslation. It's the Greek word, bema, B-E-M-A. It means 
reward seat. Just like how many of you watched the Olympics the last few weeks? Uh, when they would get their medal, they'd get up on the podium. I've never seen a, a, a guy get up there and go, oh, I can't do this. There's no way I can get up on the podium. No, he's trained so much and worked so hard. He's excited about getting gold, silver, or bronze. And they present that to him. They, they roll the flags down and play the flag that represents his country. And right there standing in front of everybody, he gets a gold medal representing how hard he worked for his nation. Well, all of a sudden at the rapture of the church, the first thing we're going to do is go to the reward seat of Christ. Fire is going to hit your life and it's going to examine your life. It's not going to judge your sin. Sin was laid on Jesus 2,000 years ago, but it is going to examine the motive of your hearts. Have you done things on the earth to be seen of men, to be cool, or did you do it because you love the Lord? Your works are either going to be wood, hay, and stubble are gold, silver, and precious stones. You don't want a bonfire to reward seat. You, you don't want the angels to go, everybody back up, that's not gonna be good. God, woof, what was that? No, I mean, wouldn't that be weird that people talk about it for weeks? Did you see that fire? What was that? What in the world was that? Well, that's all wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble is all above the ground. What people see you do, you probably won't get a reward for. Gold, silver, and precious stones are all below the ground. It's the hidden things of your heart. What's gold? Gold is your devotional life. How much you tell the Lord you love him? What is silver? The Bible says the tongue of the just is choice silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. Make sure your words lift everybody up. Everybody you come in contact, let your words strengthen them with your mouth. After that, you've got the precious stones. The priest would go into the holiest of all for the people. He didn't go for himself. He would bear on his heart for them. Those 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. So you want to do some things that are eternal. Why? Because all of a sudden, right after the reward seat of Christ, you will adorn yourself with your faithfulness. Your gold and silver and precious stones, you'll wear. You'll have, a, you'll have a coat on that has a contrasting stitch right here that says that you went to church on Wednesday nights. There'll be a stitch right here that says that you were faithful at what you were called to do. There'll be another stitch right here uh, that shows what your vocation was. There'll be a stitch right here showing that you were a soul winner. There'll be a stitch right here showing that you never gave up. There'll be a stitch right here and people will look at your robe and go, wow, you never gave up. You did what you were called to do. And you won't get mad at people when you see how cool their robe is. You think of John Wesley. He said, give me 10 men that hate sin and love God and I will change the world. You'll look at John Wesley's robe. You'll go, check that robe out. That's pretty cool. You won't go, man, I wish I had a robe like that. No, you'll, you'll honor him. Just like in the military, you see a general walk on a plane. He's got four stars there. He doesn't go, I'm a general. Check it out. I'm a general. No, his uniform preaches for him. And then they have fruit right here on their chest. You want to make sure during the millennium you're not wearing some Speedo bathing suit. Aha! <laughs> uh -huh. Did nothing during the church age, huh? That'd be kind of a bummer. I mean, my dad, my dad got saved on his deathbed. I'm telling you what, man, when, and during the millennium, I'm going to be throwing clothes at him. C cover up, Doc, come on. I mean, he, he, he got saved and went right home to be with the Lord, so he never got to do one thing that would give him some, some jewelry to wear and some robes to wear. So it's going to be pretty skimpy, so we're going to be borrowing some robes and borrowing some curtains or something. Throw, throw a curtain on my dad. So, so the whole point about this is he wants to bless you. He wants to honor you. He, wants to, he loves you. He, all the times you did things you thought nobody saw, he saw it. All the times that you did extra and you thought, well, nobody actually saw that. Don't worry. He, know, he knows of all your labor. He knows of what you've done. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And you'll wear your labor during that whole thousand years. So that's what's coming. That's what we should focus on. So with all that, let's go to this last part. Go to Daniel chapter 9, and we'll close. Look at this. These are some of the coolest verses in the Bible. 
And we'll run through them real quickly. But the, the cool thing about it is it shows you that you can't be here during the tribulation. It won't take but a minute, but watch this in Daniel 9. I know you know this, but it's so cool because we'll get the really cool verses here in a minute. The first part's a little boring, but look. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, which was the son over whatever that is, was the seed of the Medes. There's no way to even say it. But which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In his first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books a number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. He said, and I set my face on the Lord God to seek by supplication, fasting, and sackcloth, and ashes. So, okay, uh, Daniel's just smart enough to go, hey, we're in jail. Why are we in jail? He found out that they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. And you know what? Guess how long they fudged and planted on that seventh year. They did it for 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. So God let them go into captivity for 70 years, pay the land back. Look how flawless God is, okay? He said, he goes, okay, you let the land rest every seven years, and they didn't do it. They started planting, and they planted for 490 years. So God let them go into jail to pay the land back. With that in mind, watch what Gabriel says to Daniel now. These are some of the coolest verses in the Bible. Go over to verse 23. Watch what he says here in verse 23. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel. At the beginning of thy supplication, this is verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. I'm come to show you that you're greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Here we go. Seventy weeks or 70 segments of seven or uh, 490 years. He's just saying it a different way. Remember Peter asked Jesus, how many times did I forgive somebody? Seventy times seven, 490 times. So Gabriel goes, you missed it for 490 years. God's so nice, he's giving you another 490 so watch what he says about this time. He goes, okay, it's determined upon you, the Jews, and upon the holy city, Jerusalem. Has nothing to do with the church. Okay, what's it for? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Here we go. Here's the cool verses right here. Get ready. Right here. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus comes, and, he, and he, I'll add it up for you because it's too complicated to add up right there. So here the Bible says Gabriel goes, okay, there's going to be a proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem because Nehemiah's all bummed out. Ah, why are you bummed out? King Artaxerxes goes, what's wrong? He goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. He goes, don't worry. I'm going to make a proclamation, and when I make that proclamation, there's going to be a clock start. And when that clock starts, 400, man, this is amazing, 483 years later, Jesus is going to come. God gave them another 490 years. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and you know, when Jesus came the first time, they said, are you the Messiah? He said, go tell them what you see and what you, what you hear. Even John the Baptist started freaking out. I'm about to get my head cut off, go ask him if he's the one. Started doubting a little bit. And when they went in, uh, John said, uh, Jesus said, go tell John what you see and what you hear. But there came a time. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. They put those palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh, don't, don't let them do that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from when that commandment came forth to rebuild Jerusalem. God gave them 490 Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. He's going to take the church off the earth and repay them those seven years. That's the seven-year tribulation. It's not for you. It's for the Jews because God owes them seven years of old covenant time. 
Everything you see happening right now is the setup for that to happen. So in the church, we should accelerate. In the church, we should be bolder than we've ever been. In the church, we should cooperate with God like we've never cooperated with God. In the church, we should shout. We should have victory. It should be the, we should be so happy that people t- tell us to break that pill in half. People should be saying, knock that little doshes down just a little bit because you're just too crazy. Why am I crazy? I'm about to see the king. Mm, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Going to see the king. No more dying there. I'm going to see the king. How amazing it is that all the earth's in the Bible, what the Bible calls all these signs and signals are happening in your lifetime. No other time ever in history have all these happened. You got water coming out of a rock in Petra where the Jews are going to go for safety. You got Bishop Malachi gave the coat of arms for each pope that was going to be on the earth. 114. Guess which pope we have right now? 114. I mean, you can go down the list. It's just event after event after event after event because Jesus is coming. Man, I'm so blessed to be with you. Let's pray before we go. I want to give you a couple invitations. Father, I thank you for your word.